I remember it was a very pretty day. It was bright and sunny, and I was just getting to work when the bombing happened. I actually saw the explosion before I heard it. And it really shook the building. And everybody at once just kind of jumped up and couldn't figure out what it was. It swayed like a uh, wheat stalk in a field. And then all of a sudden, I don't know if you've ever had that feeling where everything goes silent. You just, nothing happens. Everybody's so stunned. Reporters Diana Baldwin and Brian Painter, along with assistant editor Joe Hyde, were at the Oklahoman's headquarters in northeast Oklahoma City on the morning of April 19, 1995. Brian watched as the scene unfolded in front of the Oklahoman staff, 12 miles from the site of the Alfred P. Murrah Federal Building. If you've ever seen an implosion, you know, of a building, at, at first it's dust that goes up. And, and that's kind of what I remember, rather than smoke, I remember that dust looking down here and the dust going straight up. Well, obviously the first thing you have to do is you have to respond. Because you know that in this, these types of situations, immediately the areas start getting cordoned off. And um, so we had to send people to the scene not knowing exactly what that meant at the time. Brian and Diana were two reporters who immediately headed south toward downtown Oklahoma City. And we didn't even know where we were going to. We just knew we were going to a plume of dust. The head of photography at that time, Jim Argo, came running out the door and grabbed me and took me with him and we came downtown really fast. And so we got right up to the crater and it was just, total chaos and you still didn't know exactly what had happened or what was going on and there were hurt people everywhere and rescue people were trying to help as fast as they could. You know how a dollhouse is whole on one side and open on the other? That's, that's the way this building was because it was whole on that side that faced the south, but on the side that faced the north, it was just totally open. And I remember looking up and seeing a desk sitting right on the edge of one of those floors. Two other Oklahoman staffers were also downtown on personal business. Business reporter Clyde Bunyan had stopped by the post office across the street to get a passport for her infant son. I remember being kind of thrust up against the counter. The guy who was attending to me and the people in the background, they all disappeared. I don't know how long I stood there, but I remember seeing, you know, little things falling out of the ceiling and thinking to myself, Clyde, you need to get out of here. And graphic artist Todd Pendleton had dropped off his son at the YMCA daycare right across the street from the federal building. I got about probably, I don't know, half a mile away and I heard a big boom and I thought somebody rear-ended the back of my truck and then I started seeing smoke coming up from, from that area. Todd immediately turned his truck around and rushed back to the YMCA. At that time, they were all coming out of the YMCA. I grabbed my son and another kid, and it was kind of surreal because I was probably there for two or three minutes before I ever even turned around and looked at the building, you know, before I even knew what was going on. So it was just this awesome sight when I turned around. Oh, man. 
The sidewalks were all covered in glass. Um, alarms were going off in all the buildings because, you know, it had blown out the windows. Uh, it was just people all around. Uh, pretty sure there were helicopters flying over by that point. All the windows uh, facing south were blown out, you know, and so I could just walk out. So that's what I did. I was in shock. And then I remember a woman came running up the sidewalk and she was asking me if I was okay. And then she started saying, oh, my God, you're bleeding. Are you okay? And and I I said, you know, really calmly, where? And she says, "Uh, your legs. And uh, then uh, she says, oh, my, your head. And well, that freaked me out because in that moment, all I could think of was getting home to my baby. The woman escorted Clyde to a triage area where rescue workers were tending to the injured. And I sat there with a woman who was six months pregnant and she had this nasty cut on her arm and like across her back and all down. It was awful. Clyde and the other woman were taken to OU Medical Center a few miles east of the Murrah building. Meanwhile, reporter Carla Hinton had been dispatched to Children's Hospital. And I ended up there pretty much all day long. Um, I'm in the waiting room and, you know, with all these people. I remember seeing Governor Frank Keating come on and saying that it was a, a bomb that had gone off at the Murrah building. And I was just shocked. Todd, his son, and the other child were taken to St. Anthony Hospital, where he met his wife. I decided to go ahead and go to work. So it was probably about 10.30 or 11-ish, you know. I knew it was going to be a crazy day, you know, with, with what was going to go on. But I work in the graphics department, and, you know, I can probably speak for the, most of the newsroom, but I know that we, for sure, had never tackled anything like that. Within the hour, news of the disaster spread. Barry Trammell and other members of the Oklahoman staff raced into the office. Drove up to the office, and, uh, you know, I wasn't on breaking news, never have been on breaking news. I'm in sports, so I just went to the office to see what anybody needed or what I could do, and um, it's all a madhouse. You know, we'd sent all kinds of people down here already and downtown, and everybody else was just sort of milling around trying to figure out what to do, and in sports, we figured out pretty quickly that this was... This was a uh, uh, monumental event that would not just, I'm not talking about change the landscape of Oklahoma. I meant this is going to, this means everybody's on call. Washington, D.C. reporter Chris Castile called in from vacation. I called, you know, immediately as, as soon as I figured out what, what, what was going on. Called the top editor at that point, Ed Kelly, and said, what do you want me to do? I mean, do you want me to come to Oklahoma? You know, do you want me to go home? Uh, he goes, you know, we've got plenty of people on the ground here. Why don't you just go back to Washington, you know, cover it from there. So I did. Um, I was on uh, the first plane out of New Orleans the next day. Editors Joe Hyatt and Ed Kelly were working with other managers to formulate a coverage plan. The traditional newsroom departments fell away as everyone worked to get to the heart of the story. When we started really, I think it was maybe an hour to hour and a half, two hours to start forming teams to start thinking about our coverage and, and each team leader, and I became the victim's team leader, mm-hmm. thinking about strategically how we were going to cover this type of event. 
While staff at the Oklahoman's office were making calls to sources across the city, reporters at the scene were gathering information as fast as they could to relay the details to the newsroom. Back then we didn't have cell phones and uh, there were times that I went up to complete strangers who were in their car with their car phones and would ask them if I could please borrow the phone so I could call the paper. The thing that was different about that is everyone around you was a source because whether they had just gotten down here or they had been down here, everyone was a source and that was so unlike anything I'd ever been around before where you had one, two sources maybe at the most. And, and that was one of those things that I think we just gathered everything. Children's Hospital was also busy, but among the bustling activity was an atmosphere of stunned disbelief. I did talk to a few people there, but it was more, a lot, you know, a personal uh, thing. You know, everybody just saying how shocked we were. We, we literally were in shock. I'm pretty sure I was in shock. Um, everybody was. You just could not believe that something like that happened. It, you, it totally, it was just, it just floored us. Carla came back to the office later in the afternoon and joined other staff members who were working the phones. Everybody was on a phone. Everybody had a list of people to call. Everybody was adding, you know, what they could. After spending several hours at OU Medical Center, Clyde Bunyan called into the office to report her whereabouts. I called my boss and I told him I'm at the hospital. I, I was hurt. And everybody apparently freaked out at that point. Oh my gosh, I was like, you know, it's not serious. But um, I, I gotta go home and, you know, and check on my kid. So when I got home, my um, mother-in-law said, I knew something was wrong with you because this child has not st- stopped crying from the minute that that bomb went off. Photographer Doug Hoke arrived around 1.30 that afternoon. He was assigned to scanning negatives brought in by the photographers in the field. At that point, we were in the process of switching from film to digital. Uh, We still shot film, but we scanned all of our negatives. And when I got into the office, they designated me as the scan man. They would come up to the door, give me the film, tell me what needed to be done. Probably the most memorable shot that I saw that day for me was one that Jim Argo got that had the building burning in the background, a sea of cars in the foreground that were just crumpled and on fire, and a firefighter in the foreground with a just exhausted look on his face. Brian and Diana returned to the office later that day to file their stories. Diana reported from the side of the building where the daycare center had been located and where 15 children died. When I got back, all they had restructured the newsroom and we reported to editors on topics. So like since I had had a lot of stuff about the children, um, I reported to the person who was doing the victims who died and uh, the first day I wrote the story about the children who died. Barry Trammell had been in the office, listening to the steady hum of the newsroom as a flurry of reports and photos came in. He had not been assigned to a particular story that day. Instead, he poured out his personal thoughts on paper. 
I just wrote a column about the whole thing and wrote about, you know, I'd been in New York City a month earlier uh, for the NCAA tournament. I was in New Jersey. We'd gone over to the city for a day, and we'd gone by the, uh, of course, the World Trade Centers, which had been bombed two years earlier, I think. I just wrote about that experience and, you know, how you go to a place that's that has uh, sort of uh, incurred monumental tragedy, and you think, man, that... It's awful. And then all of a sudden tragedy comes to you and it's a different feeling. That's what I was feeling. Just, uh, you know, didn't know really know what to do other than just write about my feelings. In the graphics department, Tom Pendleton and his team were working to create graphics for the April 20th edition of the paper. So that evening, they decided that for the, you know, gosh, it was for like two weeks after that, they wanted to have a really big presence with graphics. So for about... Ten days to two weeks, we would have almost a full-page graphic every every night. So we would wait on the reporters to come in and give us something to do a graphic of. And so the first few days, um, you know, it was mainly what happened to the building, and then you'd find out more facts. And so uh, it was just trying to piece together stuff to make a story presentations. While the staff compiled their articles and the graphics, managers shuffled through images of destruction chaos and grief, laying out the first of many papers that would tell the stories surrounding the Oklahoma City bombing. And I'll never forget the photos being all spread out on a conference table, and we were looking at those photos and what was going to be the photo, the, the you know, the play photo, uh, what was not going to be, and you start starting really understanding the true devastation. The large play picture that went I believe we were nine columns, went all the way the width of the paper. Almost was the entire top half of the paper was that photo of Jim Argos that showed the building smoldering, cars on fire, and the firefighter. And then uh, a smaller picture was the photo of the firefighter carrying Bailey. The photo of one-year-old Bailey Allman being carried out by the firefighters was the featured photo on many front pages of papers across the country. There was lots of discussion whether or not to put that on page one, but that, for better or for worse, was probably the single moment that will always be remembered uh, visually about the bombing. Uh, And that really tells the story of the loss of life of the children and everything else. Uh, but because it was, you know, local, we, you know, that was played down. I mean, it, uh, it ran large, page one, all over the country. But, you know, the, there were no parents, cousins, relatives, friends that lived in those cities. So, you know, it wouldn't have had the same damaging effect for the local people as as what we did. When the layout was complete, the front page headline read, Morning of Terror, City Struggles with Shock of Deadly Bombing. Articles on the front page included Diana's story on the youngest victims in the daycare center, as well as two stories laying out the events of the day and information from investigators. At the time of the publication, police estimated the death toll was between 150 and 200 people. On page 29, the front cover of the sports section was Barry Trammell's column. 
This was the work of a crazy world. This made you wonder if throwing a ball or bouncing a baby, chasing a pup or grilling a burger would ever be the same. That's why they call it terrorism. Terrorism doesn't just break bones and slice skin and crush skulls. It breaks your heart and brands your soul. 